0: Today is an interesting day for me. And two holidays intersect today New Year's Day, which most of us are aware of, but also this is the last Sunday in the season of Christmas. The 12 days of Christmas, this is the last Sunday. It's been, it's felt sort of awkward actually as I've welcomed everyone in and, you know, most of us are saying Happy New Year and I keep saying Merry Christmas and people kind of look at me like Christmas was last week. You need to get with it, Pastor. In our our lives, Christmas is a time of feasting and of celebration. New Year's, interesting, is also a party. But oftentimes New Year's Day is a time of, uh, at least where I come from, where I grew up, a place of watching football and sometimes recovery from the night before. Regardless of either day it is, regardless of the time, we have good news this morning. We celebrate great news. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God in heaven became God incarnate. God, beyond form, took on hands and feet. He took on flesh. You see, we so often take this for granted. You know, we've heard it a lot. We hear it time and time again that God became human. We say it a lot. We tell it to people. God has become human in Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God Himself that we can begin to take it for granted. Because we say it, and it's so easy to say, we begin to lose track of just what it is we're saying. You see, the ancients, they understood this. They realized that God was vastly different than people. Vastly different than all of humanity. They had this in their ways that they went to the temple. They had one day a year when the highest priest... Theoretically, the the cleanest person of all humanity would go once a year into the Holy of Holies to go there and stand before God. There's legend or, or tradition that tells that they would tie a rope around his foot so that if something went terribly wrong, they could at least pull his body back out. They had this completely different idea of God before they knew Jesus. That God was way up there, and they were way below You see it in the way that they spoke of Scripture. You see, in Hebrew, there is the word for God as Yahweh. But they would never actually say Yahweh. Whenever they got to that word, whenever they got to those four words or those four letters, they would say Adonai, which means Lord. They just knew it. They would translate. They would not even say the name of God. Because God was so holy. God was so far above. You see, it's, it's when you start thinking of it in this term, or in these terms, Start thinking of God became human in these terms, you can begin to see the scandal of it. The scandal of all powerful God who created all things. Creator becoming creature. Creator becoming one of his created. It's interesting because we start thinking about. I heard a pastor, a, a friend of mine, is talking about, you know, humans would, we would save, we would, we would become a human to save another human. We might uh, become a uh, moved to Asia to help save an Asian person. Or maybe moved to Africa to help save an African person. But he had this great point. He said, How many of us would become an amoeba to save an amoeba? An amoeba is that single celled organism, the, the lowliest of life. Now, this is not to say that we are low in life as humans, but to try and get at the vast difference. How many of us would give up all we have as humans? our homes and our cars and our things, our our great place where we live, our families, to become an amoeba, a single-cell organism, to save the amoeba. We start getting an idea of how far God has come, how far he's come down to save us. You see, he dwelt among us. He became flesh and lived among us. Jesus wasn't playing at humanity. He became human. Completely human. You know, the first Christians, they began to debate this. Was it just God's Spirit driving this this flesh and bone sort of machine? Maybe God just dwelled and took over this person and did these great things. It wasn't until later that they discerned and they realized that Jesus... That Jesus was God, that in Christ God became human. He didn't play at humanity, He became human. He knew sorrow and pain and suffering. He knew what it was like to be left by his Father. And at the same time, he knew joy and hope and love. The greatest of these is love. He knew what it was like to be human. Christ lives and he knows what it is like to be us. He knows the pains that we have, the sorrow that we endure in life. He knows our joys, the things we celebrate. We have a God who relates to us. The Word became flesh, became totally human, and dwelt among us. Amazing as it is. He became human. And in becoming human, He revealed God to us. Jesus revealed the Father to us. John says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is Himself God, and in the closest relationship with the Father, He has made Him known. Jesus has revealed who God is. He has revealed the character of God. He has revealed to us that God is faithful. We realize in Jesus that we have a God who keeps His promises. For centuries, for centuries, God spoke through the prophets, promising a Messiah would come. And then Jesus came. We have a God who keeps his promises. We have a God or we serve a Lord who comes for his people. We see it through history, bringing his people out of Egypt, bringing his people out of exile, but ultimately bringing all of humanity out of sinfulness and brokenness in Jesus. We have a God. We serve a God who comes for his people. We see the character of God in Jesus. We see a God who sacrifices for His people. Who makes sacrifices for them. You see, the incarnation, we we sometimes gloss over that. We think of the sacrifice of the cross, and as good as it is, we'll get to that in a moment, but sometimes we gloss over the sacrifice of the incarnation. Think about this. God in heaven. Jesus, Father and Spirit, together in perfect harmony. In heaven, where everything listens to him. Everything is under his control. As good as this is, Jesus still takes on human form, crawling on hands and knees into human history, becoming a child, going from creator of all things to an infant who relies on his poor mother and father to take care of him. What a sacrifice! What a sacrifice. But if that was not enough, this infant grew into a man who went and walked among the people, becoming unpopular because of the people that he walked among, those who really needed saving, the people on the outside and left out. And then he went into this city, Jerusalem, knowing full well that they were going to capture him there, knowing full well because of what his father had told him, what he and his father had planned, that it was going to lead to anguish, Abuse, torture, death on a cross. And yet he still sacrificed all of it for us. For us here, for us as humanity throughout the ages. We see the character of God in Jesus. A God who sacrifices for his people. We see a God who rescues. This loving God who rescues his people a God who's willing to stand in our place. Rather than let our sin keep us from God, God stood in our place. The things that should have separated us from God, the things that should tear our lives apart, Jesus stands in our place. He bears our penalty. He bore the alienation that we should have so that we might be reconciled with God, that we might be made right with God. He died so that we could have life Not just life and existence, not just breathing and heart pumping, but life in its true sense. Life filled with joy. Life filled with compassion. Life that also suffers pain and, and, and sorrow, but still rejoices in hope because of Christ. In Jesus, we see God's character. This God that no one has ever seen becomes known to us in Jesus. We see that God is faithful We see that God keeps his promises. We see that God comes and makes sacrifices for his people. We see that God rescues his people. We see this character of God in Jesus. But the thing is, people didn't get it. For all the things that people saw, they still didn't get it. It said he was in the world. John said, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. You see, the ancients didn't get Jesus either. They saw the way that he lived, that he ate too much or that he drank too much. You know, John the the Baptist doesn't drink anything and yet here comes Jesus drinking with people at weddings. They condemned him because of it. Or maybe because he ate with the wrong people, tax collectors and sinners, letting sinful women touch him because he wanted to save them. He ate with the wrong people. He spent time with the wrong people. He lacked he lacked strategic prowess. You know, he became he he walked right into a trap. Anybody would have known that he should have stayed outside of Jerusalem, gathered forces, and took the city by force. See, the people of his day they didn't understand who he was or what he was doing. They didn't understand that he was trying to call the people of God beyond laws. Trying to show them or tell them again that they were not faithful because they followed Law's well, they were faithful because of their relationship with God, because of their relationship with Him. And people didn't understand. They didn't get it, and they crucified him. You see, the thing is, even today, people still struggle to understand Jesus, who He is. As they had as much trouble as they had understanding him in his, le- in his life, people today have trouble understanding him in his death. You see, they don't understand why is it so important that Jesus died on a cross. Why is, that so, why is that so important? Why does anybody need to die on a cross for me? You see, we live in a culture where people grossly misunderestimate their sin and their sinfulness, how deep it runs in us. You know, as I think about people, as I've talked with people, even people who live around here, they will say to me, I'm not that bad. I'm a pretty good person. You know, I follow the laws. I don't do anything any more than my neighbor would do. Why do I need a savior? And I start trying to explain to them. You know, here's the pastor trying to explain to them that I have sinfulness in myself. You know, the person who's supposed to be like perfect or something, I still have sinfulness in me—greed and selfishness—and I don't show it. And maybe to compare to most people, my people might think like, yeah, I'm really—he's really a great guy. He's generous but I know the sinfulness of my heart. I know the brokenness that I wrestle with all the time. And when we're honest, we know this too. It's just somehow in our culture, everything has become okay. As long as it doesn't ultimately, as long as it doesn't immediately hurt someone, then it's okay. Believe what we'll just agree to believe what we want to believe. And so people forget. They begin to think that they don't need a savior or saving. And maybe it's because, too, like we live in a time where out of this desire to to not tell people the truth, or maybe a desire not to hurt anyone's feelings, people want to believe that everyone goes to heaven when they die. That regardless of how you live, as long as you're kind of an average person, an average nice person, that when you die, you go to heaven. Not so much that you are in the presence of God, but that you go to heaven, this paradise. I have this great pastor he was in the, in the first pages of his book, he said, you know, if you ask most people what their idea of heaven is, if you ask them, would it be any different if God was there or not? He said, there's a lot of people who once they start thinking about it, they don't really even, it doesn't even matter if God is there, as long as it's paradise. You see, so many people, this is their idea of what happens when they die. If they just go to paradise, regardless of who they believe or who they followed with their life. As I read scripture, As I read the Word of God, Jesus said, There is a place for the wicked. It's filled with gnashing and weeping and gnashing of teeth. That we need salvation. We need to follow Christ. We need to believe into Him to have this new life. Not just life now, but also life that goes on forever and ever with God. This world continues to miss Jesus. People hear about him, and they continue to miss him. He was in the world, but the world did not recognize him. But I have good news for us this morning. I have good news for you who are here. The good news is this, is that all who believed in his name, all who believed into his name, they have been given the right to be called children of God. The right to be called children of God. Susan, it's funny. I see that smile on your face and I was thinking about this is the same smile that I had on my face when I was taking this Gospel of John course at Regent and remembering and finally hearing those words that I am a child of God. That my identity, who I am, is no longer wrapped up in how successful I am. No longer wrapped up in how big my bank account is. No no longer wrapped up in the things that I own or how many people call me their friends, but in the fact that I am a child of God. I remember filling out applications for things, and they started asking me, like, who are you? Or, what are you? And I would, the first thing I'd write is, oh, I'm a child of God. This good news just came out of me. I remember walking down the street through Vancouver, and it's pouring rain. This, this funny grin on my face, just delighting in the reality that I am a child of God. That we who believe in Him, we have been given the right to be called children of God. And this, thing, this identity changes everything. It changes our priorities. The things that used to be important, the things that we used to, to worry about and obsess over, they, they just they're not that important anymore. We are children of God. And there is nothing, no height or depth, no length or breadth, nothing can separate us from Him. No one can take this away from us. No matter what happens, if we will faithfully follow Christ, we will be children of God. This is amazing news for us. And John begins his gospel with this. I encourage us to rest in this joy. This reality of who you are in Jesus. This good news that you are a child of God in Christ. But this also has implications for us. Great news of redemption. Redemption. But no longer will our sin ultimately destroy us. No longer will it hold us away from God. No longer will it be a barrier between us and Him. Because of Jesus and what He has done, all of the barriers have been moved, all the walls have been stripped away. Now we can relate to God. No longer calling Him judge, but calling Him Father in heaven. Calling, get this, the living God, calling Him Father in heaven. It's funny, I can say those words and it's hard for me to even convey what that means for us. What that means for us. Death is not the final word for us. In Christ, death is not the end. It is the doorway into the newest beginning. To life in its fullest sense. Life in the presence of God. And we have seen all of this in Jesus Jesus has revealed all of this to us. He is the one who has shown us the Father. I have amazing news for us this morning. That all who believe into him, all who believe into Jesus, have been given the right to be called children of God. Today is a strange day for me. We are here celebrating uh, New Year's, the beginning of a new year. We've talked about it, we've prayed about it, but it's also the last Sunday of the season of Christmas. That we remember that God became incarnate. That God took on flesh and then He dwelled. He lived among us. He became human, just like us. And not only that, but He revealed who God is. He revealed His character. That God is faithful. That God comes and makes sacrifices for His people. That God comes to rescue His people. And if we will believe into Him... If we will believe into him, he will make us children of God. This amazing new identity that changes who we are. changes everything about us. This is the good news this morning. This is why I keep saying Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Bless you, friends. Amen.